0: Hello and welcome to Sobercast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting Sobercast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Have a great day. My name is Danny. I'm an alcoholic and I love being sober. I, um, uh, my sponsors sponsor passed away a guy named Clancy and uh yep. and my sponsor is a guy named uh Johnny and uh I met Johnny Harris in 1962 and uh I I always picture like Mount the Mount Rushmore of Alcoholics Anonymous is uh Dr. Bob it has, uh, our co-founder and then it has, uh, Clancy and my sponsor. <laughs> and, uh, they're all pretty cool. Uh, Clancy always told me about shaving my mustache. I came in, I came into Alcoholics Anonymous the last time in 1968 in Soledad State Prison and I came out in 1969. I had a year clean, and the first thing Clancy said was, shave your mustache. And at that time, you couldn't have mustaches in the pen, so I was really proud to grow it. Every time he'd see me, he say, shave your mustache. Take off that damn hat. <laughs> and, uh, and Johnny, I met Johnny, God, I think four times in different institutions. I was inside. He was outside. And I think the one thing that I learned from him was service. You know, uh, just being of service, just always being of service. That's what we do. You know, I mean, that's the only reason I'm here. Uh, when I first got here in 1969, I, I didn't play well with others. I didn't, uh, you know, I, if you didn't know money, I wouldn't even talk to you. I, 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 uh, I kind of, that's just the kind of way you grow up, you know, you grow up in the state and, uh, you know, you go to juvenile hall, you go to camp, you go to youth authority, you go to the penitentiary, you go to the penitentiary, you go to the penitentiary, and you're just not, you're just not real friendly, you know, you don't hi, I'm gay, you don't do that, you know, and uh, and it's funny because the first time I got introduced to AA was 1959. I didn't even know it was AA. We thought it was a party. There was a uh, about 20 of us, a whole carload, cruising around in Pacoima and on the corner of Van Nuys Boulevard and Love Street, uh, we saw a bunch of cars parked outside, so we figured it was a party. So we went to the trunk of the car to get the tools necessary to crash parties. We got bumped the jack tire on, a piece of pipe. I had... Three cases of beer, two cases of beer, half pint of whiskey, and uh, a, a couple of short dogs on the 38th, and a thirty-eight snub nose, and we kicked in the front door, walked in. And the, the, the only greeting you can get when you crash a party is either everybody rushes to the opposite side of the room, and that means they're willing to throw this event your honor, or they rushed to the side of the room that you're on means they're not. We busted in the door. We all looked at a big sign that said, we care and, and took the paper all the way across the room. And all these people just rushed us, but like not visit, not to fight. They all hi, Bill. hi, deal. you know. And, uh, you know, we're not used to greetings like that. And, uh, and I always taught my troops to, like, stick together. We got all the weapons. We You know, they can't beat us if we stick together. But what you guys did was, uh, did that, uh, the fighting and conquer. You, uh, you had us all in, like, little groups of four. You know, and everybody was, like, talking about not using them, not speaking. This one, like, came up to me and started talking about Alcoholics Anonymous. I, I, I could care less. You know, I got go a whole case of beer, beer bottle, a bottle of wine, half pint of whiskey. I didn't screw it. I'm trying to get away from this guy, and I said, "You know what, old man? I, I hate saying old man, but he was probably forty years old." And uh, I'm trying to get away from him, and he goes, "Danny," he whispered the curse of alcoholics anonymous. <laughs> 59, I'm 15 years old, this guy says, Daddy, if you leave this program, you will die, go insane, or go to jail. That's the stupidest thing in the world to a 15 year old kid with. Every time I got busted, I would think about it. Die, go insane, or go to jail. I thought this is a poem, Every time I would, I would, Don Beat needs to mute his phone. There we go. Oh. And so, uh, so anyway, uh, every time I got arrested, I would think, die, go insane, and go to jail. It's the curse of alcoholics and nuns. And whoever's listening to me right now, if you go out, you need to die, go insane, or go to jail. Watch and see. I guarantee it. You know what I mean? And it's funny. I've been clean and sober for about 52 years. I have yet to see somebody come back with some good news. Nobody, never. They go out, they either, uh, uh, sadly, they either die, they go nuts, or they go to jail. You know, and I remember I was, I was arguing with this lady. I was at, uh, at Cedar sinai Hospital, and they have an alcoholic group up there, and I was speaking, I spoke, and this lady says, well, I've never been in an institution. And I thought, I said, this is Cedar Sinai Hospital. The, the drug, this, this is an institution. She goes, no, I have insurance. And so I think, oh, so you're relating your problem with insurance. You don't have any. And I couldn't believe it but she honestly didn't believe that she'd ever had a problem with alcohol. I said, lady, you're in an alcohol unit. This is for alcohol. This is a meeting. And it was like, I couldn't, you know, I had to turn around to one of the women here at Dr.'s Lady. You know, because basically it was like denial. It was just complete denial. No, well, my kids put me here. And <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, well, your kids are the ones suffering all that pain. I, uh, I had a, uh, and that's all I did. All I did was drink, use Go to the penitentiary, and and that was the way I I I lived. And it, it was strange. It was like people, always said, "Was well, you come from an alcoholic family? I come from a family of drinkers. They would never call themselves alcoholics. They just drank every day. You know what I mean? I had an uncle who died of diabetes. He says diabetes, but." He had a six pack of beer every day, and slowly it was like Uncle Fred. What are you doing, man? That's nothing but sugar. Said, no, no, no. no I'm, I'm okay. Beer don't bother. You don't. You don't matter. Beer. It's light beer. <laughs> okay, it's light beer. That's why you lost your foot, bunker. You know, and uh, and he would just keep losing parts, and and finally he died. My my dad. My dad was not an alcoholic. He drank every day. Like every day he built a bar in his house. Like every day crashed his car while drunk and killed himself. And it's so funny. I remember my mother talking about no, he died in an accident. I said, Mom, he died drunk. You know what I mean? And, but yet denial. I was in jail. I was in jail for this sale of lunar narcotics. And my mother was still there. I said, Mom, I'm an addict, I'm an alcoholic. No, 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 you're not. She would not, no way. You just had problems, yeah, with drinking. You know what I mean? And so I, the minute I walked into this program, I heard nobody gets here by mistake. I walked in 1959. In 1962, in the penitentiary, I ran into Johnny Herrick. He was the outside speaker, and he came in and we talked. And he told me, uh, no, you didn't walk into that meeting by accident. Those were previews of coming attraction. And actually, in every penitentiary I was in, I heard, Alcoholics Anonymous is now meeting in the Protestant Chapel. All inmates wishing you they don't meet in the Catholic Church because the Catholics have a problem with the higher power. It's either Jesus or nothing, you know what I mean? And, and so I was <laughs> like, so, okay, so let's do the higher power. I like that. He's cool. And every institution I was in, and I would hear that announcement, I would think of dying, going insane, and going to jail. You're all cursed. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You'll thank me later on in life. When you finally get sober, you will say, I hate that Mexican, but he's the one that cursed me. And every time I got arrested, every time I got in trouble with alcohol, I heard that, die, go insane or go to jail. Even the lights on the cop car, if you watch them, when they stop you, die, go insane, go to jail, die, go insane, go to jail. That's the thing here, you see it. And from then on, it's like, I just, I had some brilliant ideas. I went to prison the last time in 1965 for selling four ounces of pure sugar to a federal agent. That was a brilliant idea. They called it it sale in mood of narcotics. It wasn't even dope. And like I said, <laughs> the ten years and it was like, wait a minute, it wasn't dope. And I remember the Fed asking me, Is it good? I said, pure. It wasn't. And uh God, they beat me all the way from North Hollywood to the federal building, turned around, and beat me on the way back. And uh I'll never forget that. It was like booky died going insane. to go to jail. This is what happens. You know what I mean? This is what happens. You drink, you go to jail. Every time I drank, every time I drank, I wasn't like a, I I, I don't know how to say it, like a sociable drinker. You know what I mean? Uh, My family, we drank, we fought. My gang, we drank, we fought. We were fighting each other. We got no one else to fight. My first sponsor, a guy named Frank Russo. Frank Russo. Frank Russo. And I say that because he told me he never mentioned mention his name. But uh, in 1962, he shot a cop and shot a kid coming out of the hospital through to resentment, and he went to the pen. And then, but four months later, I went to the pen, and uh, and I ran into him, and he had started in the program on AA. And uh, and he said, "Daddy, come on, come on to this program, man. It's really good. It's awesome, and, and I said, man. And I'm man, let me get coffee and cake. But I was like a professional convict, so they said, I can get coffee and cake. Well, they give you cigarettes. I said, hey, you know, I got a lock and pull cigarettes. And then he said, to one commodity that was, you know, that, that, was, that was girls. And I said, "Cool, well, let's go. So I made the mistake of signing up. For Alcoholics Anonymous. You understand? That's, and when you sign up, you sign up for something, it goes in your jacket. And you don't say, uh, I'm going to Alcoholics Anonymous to see the girls. You have to say, I'm going to Alcoholics Anonymous to deal with my alcohol problem. And then you get to go. You got a night walk to get privileges. And so I went and the girls were beautiful. And that's when I met my sponsor, Johnny And, uh, and God, I remember when I went out just, just headed 10 feet down, starch, please, every, everybody else had all wrinkled clothes, all mine were all starched all night. And he, I remember him saying, Danny, the only thing that's going to beat you to San Quentin are the headlights on the bus. I thought that was a compliment. I, I didn't know, I, well, okay, cool. Just, because where I kind of came from, that's where you ended up. You know, you, you go to hall. I went to juvenile hall so many times, I thought Mexicans were supposed to go. All I seen in juvenile hall were, were <laughs> Mexicans, African-American, and poor white guys. Never no rich guy. Just always. Always while. And so it was, this became a a habit. It becomes a way of life. Doing whatever you have to do, and then you go to jail. And, uh, in, uh, in 1965, when I, I sold that sugar to the feds, uh, I had like a rude awakening because I remember I remember this guy telling me that you're going to, you're going to die and go insane and go to jail. I went to the penitentiary in 1965. 66, I was in, in, in San Quentin. 67, I was in Folsom. 68, I was in Soledad. And and in Soledad, it was like kind of a, a lot of bad stuff happened. And we ended up, me me, and two other guys went to the hole, and uh, the three of us had gas chamber offenses. And so I, you got to remember again, there's no worse feeling in the world than a body full of drugs and alcohol and a mind full of alcohol is known. So if you're not planning to stay, don't listen to this crap. I'm telling you, because when you're locked up and you try to get a thought, all you can think about is the program of alcoholics, and alcoholics. That's all you can think about, all the people you hated, all the people you wanted to kill. And and they're like laughing at me. They're like, we told you. We told you. That we promised you. And, and I can remember sitting in the hole and I can remember asking God, God, let me die with dignity. Let me die with dignity and I'll say your name every day and I will do what I can for my fellow man whatever I can. I will help anybody I can. And I said help any inmate, because I knew I wasn't getting out of jail. And uh by the by the grace of God, uh we had the offenses were like a DJ reject. They sent them to to Sacramento to the district attorney, and he looked no case. The witnesses were had letters like Popeye did it, we saw your mom throw the rock, uh, you know, they're all just bogus. So we had no witness, three three thousand guys on the yard, no witnesses and and we got kicked out. We had to do our top and I'm thinking, God man, that's it. That's it. But then I remember let me die with dignity and I will say your name every day and I will do whatever I can for my fellow oh man. So I started becoming a a Danny do gooder in prison, you know what I mean? I, it's like I just say I, I. But all you get, hey, I say hello to people. Hey, what's up? Because in prison, you don't. You're not happy. You're not saying, you know, hi. How are you? You know, you don't do that. And you, you better not look happy. You know, you, you got to you got a killer face on all the time. You know, I practice doing this. You understand? I didn't, I didn't. I don't think I was born with this mug. I practice, and and uh, and then you all of a sudden to start saying hello. Say, hi, how are you? And and uh I come out of the joint August 23rd, 1969. And uh I got kicked out and I remember I remember this uh parole the parole board member, one of them was mad dog maddy, and he said, uh he said, bring us back a life sentence, Terry. We'll try to mess with you. And then uh, uh Wild Bill Chavez said, uh, yeah, bring us back a life sentence, we'll wait. So no, they just kicked me out. I got out of prison. I called that Frank Russo, Frank Russo, Frank Russo. And he came and picked me up. He came and picked me up at the bus in San Fernando. And I, I went to my first meeting that night. That night, we were really And uh, everything good that has happened to me on this program has happened as a direct result of helping someone else. Everything. And I really honestly found out that for Alcoholics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, when well, they talk about being of service, it's not just being of service to the program. It's a being of service to the world. You know, it's it's not just, oh, no, I make the coffee and that's all I have to do. No, it isn't. It's about collecting clothes and giving them to the homeless. It's about feeding hospitals during this pandemic. It's about raising money for charities, about that's what we do. That's the face, face of our father's honest. Every friend I got, and that's a God's honest truth. every friend I got, the people that I choose to bring into my home and love have socks and thermal underwear in the trunk of their car because we'll pass them out to the homeless. You know, all my friends, they're known to go buy 20 hamburgers and just pass them out. Anything, anything, just do anything. any old clothes you got. You just add them to the guy's Underneath that bridge here, her shirt. Yeah, and think uh, of sure, you know. And I remember a guy named Sam Hardy. He was a sponsor of mine for a while. But, uh, well, he passed away, but but he was a big old hill hillbilly from Alabama, somewhere, right? And I'll never forget. He had done fifteen years flat in in uh, in uh, Backerville. Backerville is a state mental hospital for the criminally Saints, And I'll never forget. I said, Sam, what'd you do? And you. You already had that the shit in mind. Well, didn't it? a little argument. I got killed one gentleman. I murdered another one. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and uh and he always had these words of wisdom. He always said stuff like, "Well, you understand, you've got to do things for other people and not expect any kind of reward." And I could have, I could have forgot it if he said it in English like. Reward, but he didn't. He said, "It won't kill me." We walked he dead, and it would always ring in my head. three walked away dead, and so I started when I came out of the pen. I started taking out the old people's trash in my mom's neighborhood, just just because they used to put everything in a bucket and pull it out. And that's what I started doing. Just, I didn't know. I didn't. I did not know how to be a nice guy. You you, you better not be a nice guy walking around Folsom prison or San Quentin prison or. Or Solidar, you know, or Tracy, you better not. You better be willing to do whatever it takes to, to, to stay a man. That's it. Okay. And, and I'll tell you, anybody that goes to the penitentiary that doesn't understand that you're going to be a predator or prey, I don't believe it. And, uh, when i come out, that's all I did. I started digging up trash. I, everything good that happened to me happened as a direct result of helping someone else. Me and a kid named Danny Levincoff started a gardening business. And I would say Danny, he was a pretty little white kid. He'd go up to the door and knock on the door. And he'd go, hi, ma'am. Would you like me to mow your lawn? they go, certainly. And then I'd show up <laughs> and, and uh uh. 'Cause I wouldn't have got the job, you know what I mean? But Danny would get it, and then we'd ask him, Do you have a lawnmower? And they go, Yes. And then do you have trash cans? We had nothing. And all I had was a fifty nine in chevy, and that was good because I had a real big trunk, so we could put all the all the trash in the trunk and then go dump it in bonds. And uh and that's what we did. We had a gardening business. We had our actual gardening business, we were making a living. And when I went to the pen, there was a lady that lived in my mom's neighborhood She had a beautiful yard really really beautiful yard and uh and uh she had two sons and her husband and they always every Saturday they're working on their yard and so anyway I go to the joint. and I come back out uh four and a half years later I see her her yard is a jungle you know I even ask my mom what happened she says, well one of her sons was killed in Vietnam the other one was killed in a gang shootout and her husband committed suicide and uh and so she turned into the lunch The, the lady turns all the kids into cats if they're bad, you know. And, uh, and I know every neighborhood has one. And so anyway, so so every day, every other day, like every twice a week, me and Danny would go and do something on her yard. Just do something, anything. Make it a little presentable. And and every time we go, she would pass out. She would put this this uh pitcher of of lemonade out onto the porch and two glasses and one of my fantasies when I was in the pen it was to like be in Las Vegas and have some fine cocktail waiters bring me a, a tall glass a, a drink in a, in a crystal glass because cause the crystal makes such a different sound than like a tin cup or a tumbler you know the crystal has that clink, clink, clink and every time she would put it out there I'd hear that clink, clink and not exactly what I meant, God, you know, but but I but I remember that fantasy. And and I would get the drink, I'd hand one to Danny, I'd say drink that. And he'd take a drink. And I'd go, Do you feel like we're going like, it? And, okay, well it's not cat poison. So we'd go ahead and have this living And uh, and one day we had a shark we had a yard you know, looking pretty nice, and this guy comes over, big old dude comes over and says, Hey, Pancho! That's $10 right there, buddy. What? And he says, uh, how much are you charging the lady? Uh, nothing. She's a crazy lady. And, uh, he said, well, come on over. I want to look at my yard. Uh, and bring Pablo with Pablo, Danny Levitoff. That's another $10. And so we, we go over to this guy's yard and he starts telling us what he wants. And, and this isn't, you know, this is like 1970. So this is like, we got him all the way up to 50 bucks. Uh, you know, uh, a week and uh, and uh, I mean a month, 50 bucks a month and uh, and I remember then we go to his garage and he, and he lifts up the garage. He's got every garden tool known to mankind. He had the kind of garage, for where the garage is painted blue and there's a white hammer. You know his hammer's missing because it's painted white. It's, it, oh your hammer's gone because everything is, has a paint. And I said, God, this is like a shrine. And uh, and he says, "Look, I'll give you this garden equipment if you do my lawn for free." I, I love doing yard work, but I have a heart attack. And my wife won't let me do it. I said, "Mister, I'll come over and wash your back, I mean, we had so much equipment because to this day we didn't have a we didn't have a lawnmower. We used to borrow it. We would borrow a lawnmower from somebody and then go around the neighborhood with their lawnmower and then come back and mow their lawn at the end of the day. And uh, and. Uh, uh, we started, and we had, we actually started a big business. And then my dad was working in Marina Del Rey uh, as a contractor with a bunch of buildings, so he would get us jobs. And we'd go and put a bid in. And we started making when we finally grew. We had like four trucks, about five guys, six guys working for us. And that's when sure I told I started my business so we got out of it. And, and uh, I went into being a dr- in drug abuse and. Everything good that has happened to me happened as a direct result of helping someone else. I got into the movie business, helping someone else. Helping someone else. Hey, you want to be in this movie? Sure. And then I ran, I got on as an extra, and then I ran into this, this friend of mine named Eddie Bunker, who I was in prison with, and Eddie said, Daniel, are you still boxing? I said, nah. I saw you win the lightweight and the welterweight title up in San Quentin. I go, yeah, fighting quite, quite a bit. He said, "Three somebody to trade one of the actors how the box." And I said, "What's it pay?" Because they were going to give me fifty bucks back, you like a convict. And uh, me and Eddie laughed because we've been acting like convicts all our lives for free. And, uh, and he said, "It pays three twenty a day." And when he said that, I said, "How bad you want this guy to be?" Up. I thought. I thought he wanted me to beat somebody up. I'd have done it for another 50 bucks. But I figured I'll do it and then I'll write about it and then tell my sponsor. Hey, I am him to come in. But he said, no, you can't hurt this kid. And he's a the movie star and uh, he might sock you. I said, for 320 bucks, give him a stick. I've been beat up for three, though. I started working with an actor named Eric Roberts. had a box for a movie called Runaway Train. The director saw me saw that I could handle Eric and pick me to be in this movie. And from that day to right now, I've got over 350 appearances on different films. And if you ask me how I did it, I didn't. I showed up. That's all I've ever done. Showed up. My agent had this silly-ass movie that I didn't want to do. You know, and I, I'm, a, I, I'm a pretty well-known actor then. And I had, they wanted me to do this movie, and I'm saying, there's no money, they don't have no money. And I so, I know, but this is going to turn into a good movie. And my English so smart. No, this is going to, they want to give me 50 damn grand over here. And Dan, please, listen to me. Okay, so we do this movie called Badass. And, uh, it turns into a trilogy. So, I did badass, badasses, and badass on the bike. So I made like three times the amount of money that I was going to make on that other movie. Plus, on the first movie, I went into this producer named Ash Shaw. And he saw that I like good food. I won't eat processed food. I don't eat fast food. I will eat good food. I did. 76 years old, Is that you better watch your diet. And, uh, and uh, and he said, Daddy, why don't you open a restaurant? And jokingly, because my mom and I always talked about opening a restaurant. My mom was a great cook. But my dad was like the Mexican Archie Bunker. You know, my dad, when we talked about restaurants, my dad was, Hey, I got a brand new stove in there. Why don't you get your ass in there and cook whatever the hell you want? I mean, it was like just that. My mom was kind of like, like Jane to the past, she was she was really a housewife, and in fact, in the fifties, women didn't really work, you know. And and uh, and it was kind of if your wife worked, I, I remember everybody was around like a picnic or something, and somebody would go, "Hey, Art, Art, you want to be? Oh no, hey, wait, Bonnie. Hey, can Art have a beer because Bonnie worked?" And so it was like humiliating. But that was my family, you know, and uh, and so just jokingly, I said what me and my mom always talked about, Trejos Tacos, and two movies later, that we did Badass, Yeah, the third movie, Badass on the Bayou, Ash brought me a business plan. And me being the brilliant businessman that I am, I immediately gave it to that smart aleck agent, uh, and she read it and said, Danny, it's a no-brainer. You know, it's like somebody's not asking for fifty thousand dollars front. You know, this, you're, gonna, you're gonna do all right. With it. So, everything good that has happened to me has happened as a direct result of helping someone else. I got seven restaurants right now and a donut shop. It is why a donut shop. I like the police. They like donuts. And uh, and I even got I even got a restaurant." With that puck guy, you know, the puck, the puck, he's got one at LAX. I got one at LAX. And I've, I've heard him all, yeah, yeah the puck. And, and so we're mousing the trail. we got a, a restaurant there in Terminal 1. And, uh, they want to put one in, in, uh, Denver, Colorado, and one in New York, and one in San Antonio, and one in Hawaii as soon as this, this pandemic split. So, And so I am one of the people that like, you know, I, I do rescue, and I got five dogs right here, or one, two, three, four, five, no, six, I don't want sure. I, you know, and I rescue animals, and, and I help kids. Mario, uh, one of my assistant, we work with lifers that just come out of prison, all of them, got a whole house full of them, you know, and they, uh, they're all doing good, they're all doing good, not because of, but because of the program of. Of Alcoholics Anonymous, because of the program of Narcotics Anonymous, because of Cocaine's Anonymous. I spoke at a, an A meeting, I know at an OA convention one time, because I said, why am I speaking here? I've never had a, you know, you talk about the disease of addiction, Danny, really, and where it's taken you, and let me tell you something. I don't care what you're addicted to. They could put us on the moon. They could put us on the moon, and in a, in a month we would be sniffing moon dust. And this shit's good. And we would be making booze. It's that simple. I drank booze in every penitentiary I was in. We made it. And I'm gonna tell you right now, because you're not supposed to say whether you're someone's an alcoholic. If you were in the penitentiary and you drank pruno, you're a damn alcoholic. Because nobody would drink that shit but an alcoholic. You know what I mean? I I, I can remember having uh, a Folger's coffee jar full of, of booze and it was still bubbling because the yeast hadn't finished drinking it and trying to Hold it down no matter what because you knew if you kept it down, you were going to get a buzz. And it was like, wow, this has got to be, this, this has got to be a disease. Do you understand? And I, I, I thank God for this program. Right now, my daughter has gone on seven years. My son is going on six years and so I, I thank God I took them to meetings when they were babies because my son said, Dad, the first time I smoked weed, God, man, I was like nine and I I felt like I slipped because he'd heard all about slip. I felt like I slipped and so he was fighting this disease. So anybody that knows about this program has to fight this disease. You have to fight it because I will I've been so loaded on heroin and hallucinate that I'm in a meeting. That's the awful, awful thing in the world. I've been in nightclubs and I can look at a guy that was, that was in, in meetings. I can, and you can hear a guy in a bar, hey, I had 30 days and he's got his chip. And it is like the most miserable existence in the world having a body full of drugs and alcohol and a mind full of alcoholics about That is miserable. Prayer, simplest program in the world, for complicated pieces. People, wake up in the morning, say your prayer. I, some of my prayers are, God in all his wisdom didn't make me too wise, so if I do something stupid today, it won't take him by surprise. That one's good for me, you know what I mean? because I know I'm going to screw up some kind of way. And then I get on, what am I supposed to do? I look myself in the mirror, brain broke, cause I'm bodily and mentally different than my fellow man. My brain's broken. And so I know when I look at booze, I see a skull and crossbow. When I see somebody loaded, it, I don't, I don't get a feel like, ooh, God, I wish I had some dope. I think of what happened. No, let me see. You shoot dope, you end up showering with 50 men in San Quentin, trying not to look you end up in in a in a drug tank throwing up all over the place with your somebody else. Yeah. So he said, well, that's what happens. I go insane, go to jail. That's what I know for a fact. I could be a fortune teller. Do you understand? For people that want to go out and drink, if you came to me, I could wear a salami hat and a big robe, you would come to me and say, Oh, Mr. Salami, I, I I want to go out and you and drink. Can you tell me what's going to happen? Oh, you're going to lose your family. You're going to wreck your car. You're going to get a 502. Oh, my God. Your wife or husband's going to throw you out. And just go right down the line. And when all that shit happens, you would say, my God, I should have listened to that Mr. Salami. Because it would be right on. And it's not because I'm so damn smart. Because I've seen that over 52 years everybody everybody that's gone out that's made it back I've got some friends didn't make it back I got one kid doing life on top of life and uh and he had I think he put together about two years and then decided that he wasn't uh, an alcoholic and a short dog has nothing to do with social drinking. That's for the wine house. Nothing. A short dog has nothing to do with social drinking. And uh I love being sober. I love waking up being, and everything. Well, what is success to you? Because I got this, and I got that. None of that. What's success to me? I'm gonna lay down tonight and I'm gonna feel good about myself. You understand? Oh God, thank you. And I'm gonna wake up tomorrow morning and I I got real plans. They don't work out, it's okay. But but I'm gonna wake up. Really good about myself. That's success. And all I got to do is the same thing say my prayers, get in touch with another addict, alcoholic, look in the mirror, say, brain broke, and get on about my day. Because you have to understand when they talk about the miracle, the miracle, if you're an alcoholic and you wake up sober, you're already in the miracle. You're already in the miracle. Now, how can I? How can I? Keep this miracle going, or how can I screw it up? The choice is yours, and I'll promise you one thing about this program: if you leave, you're going to die, go insane, and go to jail. That's what happens. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening, to me. Thank you. Thank you, Danny. Thanks, Thanks Danny. Good story, man. You so much, thank you, Danny.